0: Welcome to the OMFIF podcast. Hello and welcome to the OMFIF podcast. I'm Taylor Pierce, economist of OMFIF's Economic and Monetary Policy Institute. Here with me today is OMFIF Chief Economist Neil Williams, who will be discussing the prospects for the Bank of England under the UK's new Prime Minister Liz Truss. Welcome, Neil. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Taylor. The Prime Minister has advocated for a review of the Bank of England's independence. These calls come at a time when the pound is already under pressure due to a volatile combination of decades high inflation, still loose monetary policy with real bank rate under minus 8 percent, a widening current account deficit and high debt. Neil, as you put it, the pound was always a likely pressure release for building political risk and further fiscal expansion. So what are the main issues to be considered here?
1: Well, thank you, Taylor. You mentioned the pound, and even before mistrust came on the scenes, the pound really did have a a sort of weak underpinning, because if our estimates are correct, then over the last 20 years or so, no major country has net loosened its overall macro policy stance, fiscal and monetary together, than has the UK. And given the sort of embedded inflation premium into that, there's surely little coincidence that the pound has over that period uh, underperformed other currencies on fundamental grounds. So to talk about now, as Mistrust is doing, the the possibility of uh, reviewing the Bank of England's independence uh, is a fairly weak platform for the pound, hence the further weakness. I have to say that at this stage, uh, all the new Prime Minister is doing uh, is looking for a, a review of the bank's mandate. So it could be innocuous, but indeed it could even be beneficial if it helps to iron out some of the mistakes of the past uh, and also assists the MPC, the Monetary Policy Committee, in how to to normalise uh, interest rates to more sort of realistic levels. But far more sinister, not least in financial markets, uh, for the pound and for long-dated gilts, for example, uh, would be if she were to follow the instincts of some of her backers, including those, uh, or including, for example, the new Home Secretary, Braverman, who is wanting to monitor whether the bank is fit for purpose Uh, in terms of its entire exclusionary independence over interest rates. So that's, for for those of us with long memories, that throws us back to the sort of mid-1990s when we had the so-called Ken and Eddie show. And what that was, uh, was a scenario where interest rates in the UK was set together by the Chancellor and the Bank of England governor at the time, aided by a a so-called wise men's panel. Now, such overt intervention currently in today's context, would really go against the practice of other G7 central banks, necessitating a a sort of risk premium on UK money rates and uh, obviously for for gilt yields. And if it raises inflation further, because of course the pound again may be under a little more pressure, uh, then it may even have unintended consequences. You know that according to the Bank of England's economic model, uh, it takes about four years for higher import prices to fully pass through to a consumer price index that's about one third imported. Now, a lot of that currently is being absorbed in, in profit margins. So it's not, it's not obvious that uh, in reviewing the independence of the Bank of England and causing more inflation will necessarily flow through to higher private sector wage growth. So it seems to me that after 25 years of independence, a review of the MPC seems eminently sensible and may be constructive. And let's face it, it would be no different or little different to that review that's currently underway in Australia for the Reserve Bank. And that's expected to conclude in the new year. Now, amongst the Monetary Policy Committee's wins have been an inflation rate that's pretty much averaged over the bank's independence, close to target uh, of about uh, 2 percent. But the challenge now, of course, which is something the prime minister is mindful of, is getting the consumer price index back to target, from the at least 13% that we may be facing in coming months, and also possibly enacting quantitative tightening, reducing the balance sheet, without stretching the UK's likely recession beyond next year. So there really are challenges ahead.
0: Right. So given the various economic and political factors which you mentioned, what are the options?
1: Well, there there are two possible avenues. That is changing the current arrangements that the Monetary Policy Committee has in place, and or, because they're not exclusive, changing the mandate that it follows. Let's just take a brief look at those. First of all, on the arrangements, one possibility there may be to impose a sort of halfway house of resurrecting some form of wise person's advisory panel to complement the Monetary Policy Committee, Uh, and this would allow independent input into their decision making, and it may seem attractive to some of the Prime Minister's uh, current advisers. As an aside, uh, one of those, Professor Minford, was a member of the so-called wise man's panel back in the 1990s, and he was never afraid to dissent from his peers uh, and also side with the government on tax cuts. But doing so would also surely suggest distrust over the existing MPC members' abilities to manage monetary affairs. Would MPC resignations possibly follow if that were the case? And so surely performance of the committee could less controversially be assessed by simply strengthening or making more frequent the existing health check that they have in place, which is via the Treasury Select Committee inquiry. So that's one avenue changing the arrangements. Another one is to change the mandate. Now, currently, of course, it tries to target consumer price index over two years at close to 2%. And the the, the consumer price index is a fairly narrow measure of inflation, uh, which again, some of the Prime Minister's followers, believe has, as a result, contributed to interest rates being artificially low and inflation high in the past. So how could that be looked at? Well, one possibility would be to raise the bar from 2% to, let's say, 3%, uh, which would allow the economy to breathe a bit more while fighting future inflation. But this would surely, in today's context, send the wrong signal uh, to financial markets, saying that the bank is less worried about inflation at these fairly hefty levels. Uh, So it might be better instead to impose an inflation target that's more reflective of the living costs uh, in the UK that we all face. And in this respect, the easiest option might be simply to tweak the CPI, the the Consumer Price Index, uh, to to the so-called CPIH measure, uh, which would improve the the former by proxying house price shifts, albeit by a slightly quirky method of doing so, using owner-occupier's housing costs. Or even to revert to the, the old RPI-X, the RPI excluding mortgage interest payments, which the, the banks started to look at in its early days prior to the more recent years. But in any case, separately, the RPI is set to be aligned to CPIh by 2030. So surely it makes more sense logistically to target the latter. And as an add-on, they could also consider maybe moving to a Fed-style approach, US Federal Reserve approach which is to bolt on some sort of activity indicator to the inflation target. This is the approach the Fed has been taking since 1977. I would say, though, that for the Bank of England, it might be a little trickier to add on an employment uh, indicator formally because of the bank's patchy history in forecasting employment uh, in the past. So... An alternative measure, which some are talking about, though it's not without problems, is to instead look at money GDP and to try to have some sort of formal target in mind for the total value of goods and services uh, and incomes in the economy. I have to say, though, that in practice, UK nominal GDP growth has broadly followed the same path as CPI inflation over the last decade or more. Uh, And in practice, targeting money GDP probably works best when growth is, is predictable. Uh, such that any overshoot can be corrected without causing any transitory inflation damage. So there's no perfect solution. And there are challenges with each of these potential changes to mandate.
0: Great. Thanks for laying out those two main options. And it sounds like there are also a number of smaller calibrations that could be made within those. So where do we go from here?
1: Well, the financial markets are so far taking this slightly cautiously, and is the whole thing is contributing, not causing, but contributing to a softer pound. Uh, but if done properly, you know, it seems like a, an eminently good time for a review of the NPC after its 25 years, on which it should be applauded, but hopefully not a re- retreat to the dark days where there was overt government in intervention. Credibility is likely to be key, and if there is Uh, for example, complication or government intervention, then one can imagine that credibility would be punctured uh, if the Governor, uh, Governor Bailey's letters to the new Chancellor, constantly blame an inflation overshoot on, for example, the purity of the data. So it may be better to supplement CPIH, um, consumer prices adjusted, for some sort of housing measure, with a rag bag of activity data and also evidence from the bank's own regional agents. Uh, But this is not a world away from current practice. So it seems to me that barring the withdrawal of the bank's independence, which would go against the grain of other G7 economies, there are, after 25 years, real opportunities to make this review constructive. It must be thorough, non-political, and hopefully not drag on, because if it does, the uncertainty in the meantime would surely put even more pressure on the pound and thereby the MPC to accelerate rate hikes and go harder on quantitative tightening, QT. And if that exacerbates the stagflation that we already face, then surely the new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, may not get the full-blown economic recovery she needs before the next general election, in which case, if she is considering reviewing independence, she may need to be slightly careful of what she's wishing for.
0: Yeah, definitely. It sounds like a review may be sensible, but any reform should certainly be handled with care, especially in this challenging macro-environment. So thank you so much, Neil. And thank you as well to our listeners for more on trust's potential review of the Bank of England and an overview of potential reforms. Be sure to check out Neil's commentary piece, Options for Trust to Preserve the Bank of England's Independence, which can be found on the OMFIF website. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes or wherever podcasts are available. Thank you for listening to the OMFIF podcast.